John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father has seen me. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. I believe I read one verse wrong. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Last week we read of Judas going out into the night, going out into the night both literally and he's spiritually in darkness. He's going out as the betrayer. Jesus told his disciples of a new commandment. The reason it was new is because he told them to love one another as he has loved them. That is what made it new is because of how Jesus has loved them. Peter, of course, showed himself to be overly zealous. Um, and Jesus tells Peter, you know what, you're, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. Right, Peter, you say you're going to die for me, you're willing to die for me, but not right now. You're going to actually do the opposite and you're going to deny me three times. And after what we read last week, Jesus says to him, as we just read in the first half of verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Of course they're troubled, right? I mean, you consider what Jesus just told them from last week. One of you is going to betray me. Imagine, imagine you're in a friend group, right? And somebody says to, to the friend group that, hey, one of you is going to betray me. That would probably concern you a little bit. If you've known that your friend group has been close so long, you'd be like, surely not. We know, we've known each other. We're close to each other. And then Jesus told them, told Peter, that, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, of course, being really the leader of the group, so imagine the other disciples hearing Jesus say this to Peter, the, the one that has really uh, taken up the mantle to guide them, to lead them, and even obviously after Jesus has died and left the earth, Jesus, or Peter is that leader. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they are troubled. I'm not surprised that, you know, after all Jesus said, he, he says that he's about to go away, he's about to leave them. They're not too sure what he means by that. After so long, Jesus, we've been following you for three years. You're just going to leave us? You have this relationship. We have this expectation that you're going to establish the nation of Israel as a prominent nation. You're that kind of Messiah, aren't you not? After all this time, you're just going to leave. So it's not surprising that they feel this way. And after saying, let not your hearts be troubled, as we read in the second half of verse 1, he says, believe in God... Believe also in me. That word there for believe can also be translated as trust. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now usually when we hear that, when we hear somebody say, when we read in Scripture, Jesus saying, trust me. 
Trust God. The next question people usually think, the next question people usually ask is, why? Why should we trust you, Jesus? Why should the disciples here trust Jesus? And I think in verses 2 through 11, Jesus gives them four reasons why that they should trust them. Obviously, verse 6 is one of the most central verses, one of the most central claims that Jesus makes about himself. So we're going to walk through this, starting with verse 2. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? This could also be translated, there are many dwelling places. It's not necessarily rooms, but the idea is that, hey, there's plenty of space. right? In God the Father's house, space is not an issue. He's not going to run out. He's not going to route space is not an issue. And here we see the first reason why we can trust Jesus, why they can trust Jesus. He prepares a place for them in that house. He prepares a place. Uh, my thought is, when I read this, well, what preparation? If we're talking about God the Father's house, like what needs to be prepared? What kind of preparation is he talking about? Now, there could be a few things in mind. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross is the preparation that prepares a way for us to God's presence. So maybe that's what he has in mind. Uh, here, the, the word translated as place, or sorry, yeah, the word translated as place can also be passage, be translated as passage. So Jesus, maybe Jesus is saying, hey, I'm preparing a passage for you to the presence of God. Uh, maybe there's also in mind that the work Jesus accomplishes ultimately establishes the new creation, right? This new heaven and earth where where the, the spiritual merges with the physical and God perfects his creation, where we're in the presence of God for eternity. Maybe that's what he has. It could be both. right? Maybe, maybe in this text we have the nuance here. Jesus, he's preparing a passage, and he's preparing a place for us in the presence of God. Verse 3, he continues on. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also reason to why we can trust Jesus. He's going to take us to himself. Because right? obviously it'd be a little pointless if you just prepared a place and then it come take us to that place. Right? Jesus, he's not making empty promises. He's telling us, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you in, my, in, in the presence of God the Father and I'm going to take you to myself to that place. Right? And I want you to notice in this text here the, the, the emphasis is on Jesus' work. Right? He prepares a place, and he takes us to that place. Right? It's not you do this, this, and this, and then you get to that place. No, it's Jesus preparing the place and then taking us to that place. Right? The emphasis is completely on his work. This is something that I think is well established. I think I've preached on this. I've harped on this a whole lot. Our salvation uh, the, the possibility, that the chance of us uh, being in God's presence is not based on our merit. We did not earn it. It's based on Jesus' work. He prepares the place, and he takes us to that place. Verses 4 and 5, as we continue on, he says, And you know the way where, to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, you're good to go. You got what you need. Thomas says, no. I don't think we do. I would like to know how that happens, Jesus. Like, how am I supposed to get there? How are we supposed to get there? Notice that his question is focused on procedure. How? How can we know the way? It's kind of like he's asking for steps to that place. 
His question is focused on their work. And notice how Jesus responds here. It's very important. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Reason three why we can trust Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And notice how Thomas, he asks, how? And what does Jesus respond with? Jesus doesn't say, here's how, Thomas. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to believe about me. Here's what you need to uh, do in order to earn your salvation. He doesn't say that. He responds with who? And I think this is where we slip up in church so much. We get so focused on the how that we lose sight of the who. It's really the, the who informs our how. So anytime we have questions about how, we don't think to ourselves, all right, I've got to figure this out for myself. No, we look to Jesus. So when we ask, how should the church love, we look to Jesus. When we ask, how should the church navigate conflict, we look to Jesus. When we ask, how should the church gather together, we look to Jesus. The who is of what is most important The who is what matters, and that who is Jesus. And we can trust him because of who he is, which is the way, the truth, and the life. The way to what? I think the proper question is the way to who? God's presence. We've already got this sense in the text. He's saying, I'm going to go prepare a place for you in my Father's house, and then I'm going to take you to that place. So he's the way to the presence of the Father. And notice he says the way. He doesn't say a way. I'm not a way to the Father's presence. I'm the way to the Father's presence. Right? Jesus, Jesus, as I've mentioned before, he's both inclusive and exclusive. The gospel is offered to anyone. It's not excluding anybody. But it's also exclusive, meaning that he is the way, not a way. He's the way to the Father. The truth concerning What? Again, I think this can be simplified. There might be a few answers you could have to this, but really I think it boils down to the truth concerning God. The truth concerning God. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Colossians 2, verse 9, as that text says, I might not even have it on the slides. I might have forgot this. Did I forget it? Yeah, well, it says, in him the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell. That's what Colossians 2, verse 9 says. He is the perfect image of God. You want to know God the Father? You look to Jesus. There's there's no other way. You want to know him? You want to know the truth about God? You look to Jesus. He's the truth about God, about who God is. And Jesus is the life. What life? Well, I think we got a few things here. Without him, without Jesus, there's nothing like this. What we're experiencing now, what we go through day by day, there's none of this without him. As we read in 1 John verses 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, He was in the beginning with God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So he, He is the reason that we are living right now, why we are breathing right now, while we inhale, while we exhale. We don't have any of this without Him. And He's also established this truth pretty well. Come to me, 
he says, come to me, he says, believe in me, so that you may have abundant, so that you may have eternal life. So he's the reason that we breathe now, he's the reason that we walk around, that we have life, that we have families, that we have uh, relationships, he's the reason for all of that, but he's also the reason that we live even in death. He is the life. We continue on, verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Jesus says, you, you know the father, you've seen him. Now, Philip doesn't get it. And now we have the benefit of retros, ret, retrospection. We can, we can look back in scripture and be like, ha, why'd y'all get it, disciples? But I think if we were in their position, we would be in the same boat. We'd be just as confused, we'd be just as lost in the sauce, Right? So I don't think we should criticize Philip here. It makes sense why they don't get it. I wouldn't have got it. Jesus responds in verses 9 through 11. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father, or whoever has seen me, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Fourth reason why we can trust Jesus. He and the Father are one. He's not talking about somebody he doesn't know. When he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, he knows what he's doing because he was there and he is there. Jesus is not talking about somebody he doesn't know. They are one. Jesus, he's not just your average Joe. In fact, he's really not a Joe at all, obviously. He's Jesus. He knows who he's talking about. He and God the Father are one. They are God. As I've talked about several times in a lot of sermons, we got our theology from Scripture of uh, sometimes referred to as the Godhead, sometimes referred to as the Trinity. Three persons, one essence. That's usually how people describe that. We already kind of get this sense that he and the Father are one. Previously in the Gospel of John, John 13, verse 20, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Right? Receiving Jesus is receiving the Father. John chapter 12, verse 45, he says, Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. You see Jesus, you see the Father. Why? Because they're one. And John 10, verse 30, straightforward, I and the Father are one. Not to mention the three times in chapter 8. Three times in chapter 8 where Jesus claims the divine name. He says, Ego me. I am. I am what? Seems to be a clear reference back to Genesis, or not Genesis, Exodus 3, 14, right? The divine name, God, I am. And as we close, notice, notice the bookends of this text here. Verse 1, as we read, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Trust in God. Believe or trust also in me. In verse 11, as it said, Believe, trust me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus, he's given them reasons to trust him. He's going to go prepare a place. He's going to take them to that place. He's the way, truth, and the life, and he and the Father are one. He's given them reasons to trust him. And in the Greek here, the word for trust, the word for belief, is an imperative. It's vital. It's crucial that you believe me. We kind of get this sense from the Gospel of John, the reason why the writer of this Gospel, John, he says in verse, or chapter 20, verse 31, 
He says, but these are written, the things in his gospel, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, belief in Jesus is a life and death matter. It's a life and death matter. He's given you reasons to trust him. And I pray that you trust him because of who he is. Right? I know that sometimes when, when we come to faith, when people come to faith, they might trust God, they might trust Jesus because of the things that he's done in their life. Right? So maybe, maybe God's done amazing things in your life. Maybe he's provided healing. Maybe he's answered some prayers, and so that's why you believe him. But hopefully that belief becomes something more. Hopefully you trust him. Hopefully you believe him because of who he is. Not just because he's done things for you but because of who he is, which is the way, the truth, and the life. So trust him as we stand and sing.